Hey, SOB family, what's going on? Welcome back to episode six of Sports Outside the Box. And we are back to give you another amazing, great show. And as always, I'm your host, Dennis Harris. And I got my two co-hosts with me, Jesse Butler and Brian Sturman. So let's dive right into what we're going to talk about today. NHL and NBA playoffs. The broom has been brought out twice in the NHL and is about to be brought out in the NBA. Are there any surprising series to talk about? Are there any series that make you go, hmm, I wonder if that lower seed can really knock off that top seed? We're going to talk about that. We have a new segment this week, by the way, called PAT, Point After Trivia. And if you listen to the show, we'll get right into it. We'll explain how the game is played. But what I can tell you is the winner stays on and we're keeping track of these records. Also, we try to figure out what's going on with Gruden and Mayock. Why are they sending the scouts home? What do they have up their sleeve? Who are they going to pick? And to close the show out, we have to do the three-on-three segment. And this week is going to be the best and worst trades during the draft in all of history. The best trades. The worst trades. We're going to give you our top three, our bottom three. Stick with us. We're on sports outside the box. All right, guys, so we're going to kick it right off. I'm going to go to the NHL. So NHL playoffs, what has been the most shocking thing for you guys so far? Obviously, the Lightning getting swept by the Blue Jackets. Yeah, there's no question. That's that's the one right there. Like, like I know this is probably a bold statement, but that is, to me, that is the biggest upset in any sport I have personally witnessed. And the reason for that is because... The Lightning were a record-setting franchise this year, and everyone, you know, expected them to at least make a good run towards the Stanley Cup. And then, not that, not that they just lost; they got swept. Like they didn't even win a game. Get the broom. Yep. Yep. Like it was just, it was complete humiliation on the part of the Blue Jackets, just taking it to the Lightning. And I mean, I kept, I kept. Hold out. I mean, not really hope, but I kept. I didn't want to bury the lightning until it happened because, again, there was a record-setting record-setting season, and they did everything right all year long. So even when they're down 2-0, even when they're down 3-0, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if they won three in a row, or won four in a row and came back and took the series. Even halfway but, through the, the fourth game, you're like, this. I feel like there's still a chance because it's it, it's just how the lightning are. You know, they're just that good of a team. You feel like they would at least come back and give some kind of yeah. fight. Like, yeah, I would have been surprised if they had scored like three goals in the last five minutes to win the game or something. Like, but no, they just got destroyed and humiliated. And it was, like I said, to me, it's the biggest upset in like the four major sports that I have ever personally witnessed. And that's right up there, you know, you know the the 2007 Giants beating the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, that was a huge upset. But the difference between hockey and like football or even is that it's a best of seven. So it's, there's no, like, lucky one game where you get, like, in football, you can get lucky one game and steal a Super Bowl or steal a playoff game. In hockey and basketball, baseball, you got to be the better team four out of seven games to, to get through. But that and also, it's, you know, the 
least the Patriots made it to the Super Bowl. The, the, the Lightning didn't even make it out of the first round. They, if they at least made it to the Stanley, Stanley Cup, they wouldn't be as... Exactly. As, it would still be a bad look on them, but it ain't as bad as them getting swept in the first round. Swept. You know, I think it's the I, I think the terrible thing is the fact that we saw how how dominant the, the Tampa Bay Lightning were all season, and they played very good defensively all season. But the Blue Jackets put up four points at least every game. Like that it, was it, that was shocking it, it for looked, me. It didn't look like they had like a lot. It's like almost like they were kind of like worn out from like this this whole season. Like you wouldn't just they didn't have any fight. You didn't have an extra. You know, bursts of energy or anything. They didn't play like they wanted. It was, it was, it was a completely different team than what you saw from the, the whole regular season. Yeah, and Vezilevsky, who was a then, uh, you know, finalist for the best goaltender in the league, um, he just looked off the whole series. He just looked off. Like didn't he didn't beat the whole series. Yeah, like he was just getting beat. It wasn't even off like you know he was getting beat off rebound goals. He was getting beat off snipes. He was going to beat off one-timers. Like, he was just getting beat in general. Like, it's not like they figured out one thing and attacked him in one specific way. They were just they were just scoring. And like you said, the defense let them down. And obviously the offense didn't they, – they were putting up goals, but they weren't putting up enough goals. Because I'm like, their first and second lines were coming out. And, like, t- like their first their, – well, I think their second line – their second line is great, though, just like their first line for Tampa Bay Lightning. But it's like nothing was getting done at all. And I think that's what the, they, the big shocker was. So the fact that they went down 4-0 to zero to a team that they definitely should have beaten or everybody thought they would have beaten is the most shocking part. And I think that another thing, the fact that the New York Islanders uh, swept the Pittsburgh Penguins, which we're all happy about, is praise the Islanders. And now, like, so I'm like, that happened. Then we hear Sidney Crosby's not going to play in like, uh, what is it? The, the not, world's yeah, he's not, gonna, yeah, he's not going to, yeah, he's well, well, in that, like, pretty much like international play, like the NBA would call it, but um, yeah, Sidney Crosby's not playing in that. And I feel like he doesn't need to play, he needs to sit back and reevaluate what just happened. He needs to think about what just happened. He needs to let that soak in a little bit. Yeah. Because I was like, that was definitely, that was, that was like, yeah, for the Islanders to sweep the Penguins. And I, I know the whole time, you know, us being uh, from the, the DMV area, uh, Cap, some of us are Caps fans, and we don't like the Penguins. The Penguins have always had our number. The Penguins, uh, Sidney Crosby, he he likes to knock off. He likes to uh, put the puck in off the the goalie's back, off Hopi's back, or anybody's back for that matter. Make unbelievable goals from uh, difficult angles. The fact that they just got outed in the playoffs like that is a great. It's a great sight. I was definitely happy to see that. Yeah, I would say I was surprised because I did pick the Islanders to win the series. I did not think it was going to be a sweep, though. I, you know, again, Sidney Crosby and. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Again, Malkin, they are just they're oh, experienced man. Malkin team. is, man. oh, he's just great. Yeah, so, like, they're an experienced team, so you wouldn't expect them with an experienced coach to go out there and just get swept. You know, you expect them to win at least one to two games. I thought the Islanders were the better team throughout the season, so I figured that they would come out and, you know, play better in the opening round, but I did not, I did not see a sweep coming. I'm happy about it. <laughs> like, we all are, but... <laughs> I know uh, yeah, something. Gotta, gotta be happy about that. 
Oh yeah, you you have to be. It's like if you're if you're not happy yeah. about that, you're you're a Penguins fan. Yep. But Dennis, I do gotta give you credit, man. You um uh, you called the Avalanche upsetting the Flames. I didn't think it happened, but it did. Man, I'm telling you, the fact that uh, what is his name? Uh, the I just said his Groombauer. Uh, I'm like the he was with the Capitals last season. Uh, they were trying to betwe- pick between him and Holby, but man, I'm telling you, he is great. But the the thing that shocked me the most was the well, I think I think it was Game One in that series when uh, Mike Smith they went when the uh, Avalanche went down 1-0. Mike Smith was like tearing it up, and I was like, my God, he's like, he he just shut out the Avalanche. The Avalanche, I'm like, you got McKinnon, and they just have a great they're, they're a great offensive team. So. Yeah. The fact that they they shut them out game one, I said, yo, Mike Smith, I was like, he hasn't, I think they said they haven't, he did not play a playoff game since 2011. It was 2008 or 2011 that he had not played in a playoff game. So, the, I think it was 2011. So, the fact yeah, that. Yeah, I think he was, with the, he was with Arizona at that time, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, the fact that that happened, and I'm like, okay, so they're trying to pick between the two goaltenders, the rookie and, and Mike Smith. And they chose Mike Smith because, you know, he's a pro. He has playoff experience. They choose Mike Smith, and he just comes out there like he's a, like he's a young buck again, and he just shut down the whole team. And then he was making unbelievable saves. Had McKinnon completely frustrated. Uh, the McKinnon and the coach just sitting there arguing with each other because like, nothing can get done. So I'm sitting there under the impression, like, I know I called the avalanche, but I was legitly worried because I said Calgary is looking okay. Like, they're look well, well, Mike Smith, they're looking better than okay. Like, they look like they're, they're going to, like, handily take this series. But no, like, they, they lose the series 4-1. to one. Like, they don't win a game after that. Mike Smith goes back to looking. It was 4-2. They, they stole was, another one. It was 4-2? Yeah, they won game five. Oh, you're right. But, yeah, yeah but – it was just surprising to me the fact that Mike Smith like looked like he reverted back to you know Mike Smith the Mike Smith where they're sitting there trying to make a decision to oh do we play Mike Smith or do we play the other guy like that that's how he looked after game one like even and in- that's what- go ahead Brian I was I'm, I was just gonna make a little joke I, anytime I, I hear Mike Smith I still think of the Falcons head coach you, oh, got, you got to that's it. he was got great he, he he brought us back from Michael Vick yeah, he brought yeah. us back. It's funny because I work with a guy named Mike Smith as well. So. That's weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, he goes by Michael. But anyway, no. But Mike Smith, he's like, he's a veteran goalie. He's been around for a while. So, but the problem with those kinds of guys is, like you said, game one he came out, played a hell of a game. He was like a brick wall in net. But that's the thing with these veteran goalies is they put up games like that, and then you it kind of builds a false confidence. Because then he comes back down to earth and, you know, he'll allow like four or five goals and get pulled. Kind of like, um, and that's just kind of how goalies age in the NHL. Like, they'll be really stout, real defensive for years. And then as they kind of get older, they their, their reaction time slows down a bit. So they'll have, you know, they'll have good games. But then they just kind of, like, kind of how Pecorini's been for the Predators in, you know, the Star Series against Nashville, like, yeah. It was the first three games. Pecorini was awesome. Like the stars, it was tough for the stars to get anything by him. Then game four came along, and the stars scored four they goals. They tore him up. They scored four goals in the first period, chased him out of the net. He had to get benched for the rest of the game. And then earlier today, the stars Nashville played again. They put up another five goals on him. So like, 
he, he started the series strong. The first three games, he didn't give up any more than three goals in any game. And now, now he just now he looks rattled. And I mean, I'm happy about it. Being a Stars fan, we're up three two. So I hope he stays rattled. But it's these these veteran goalies. They they're good. They have the skills, but it's like their reaction time slows down, and they just can't keep up with these young these young fast teams. Yeah, that's exactly how it seems. Um, another thing, the Capitals. I think the so the game's not a. Officially over yet, but we're up five days. It's over. No, it's, it's, it's over. Okay, okay. So everybody, it's six nothing. It's six. It's, it's, <laughs> it's six to zero. Uh, we're, yeah, six minutes left in the third period. It is, it is over. We're up on the we're up on the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes right now, six to zero. So if you want the technically, if I want to be technical, it's two to two. The series is tied two to two right now, but we're gonna we're gonna say it's three to two. Um, and it's no surprise that we're up six to zero, and we all know who we just got back today. I'm the old boy Devontae Smith Pelly. Smith Pelly, the man, and, the myth, the legend. Yeah, I don't know why you guys had him down in the NHL. I don't know either. <laughs> I was, I was completely. They were saving for the right moment, and this is it. <laughs> like I was now completely lost. Back, and they're up six nothing, and they're kicking ass. It's, it's, it's what we needed after TJ Oshie got hurt. Dude, that yeah. that like killed me, and the fact that that dude—I can't remember his name—the dude who got like uh, they said he was gonna be like uh, no further discipline taken for after what he did to Oshi, but I'm like that was the same dude who tried to fight Ovechkin after he knocked out the 19-year-old. It was the same exact guy, so I felt as if he was trying to get at somebody on the team, not necessarily Ovechkin, because he knew that he knew the fight was on and popping if that happened, but he went after somebody else. And now TJ Oshie's not going to play for the rest of the playoffs, but I'm I'm like that was just so like it's crazy to me the fact that he's not going to receive any further like penalization like that that's what kind of like shocked me. Yeah, I mean it's it's what it is, but I mean it's apparently giving us a spark to you know you know, knock him out real quick. You know, just all we need is one more game. We can knock him out. We move on to the Islanders. Yeah, it's interesting with this series with you guys and the Canes. It's been the home teams have dominated. Yep. So like they just showed a stat a few minutes ago up on this on the TV. The the home team has never trailed when they're at home. In in so the first two games the Cats never trailed, and then the other games three and four in Carolina the Hurricanes never trailed. So it's been complete domination by the home teams. I know. So next, so so we're, so we're gonna lose game six, come back home for game seven, and whoop some butt. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Oh goodness. I'll take it as long as you win the series. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, and then you guys play Monday night the same as us. So you know, theoretically, both our teams, the Stars and Caps, can end the series on Monday night, and we're at home for game six. And I really hope we end it at home because I'm. If we lose, I'm gonna be nervous about us going to Nashville for Game Seven. I would be too. That's gonna be, be a tough environment. It is. So I really want us to take care of home ice and end it in Game Six. I'm about to say. So let's switch over to the NBA playoffs real quick. Uh, I know an interesting series we were all we were all talking about earlier: Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard. Like the Brody versus Dame time. Uh, 
I'm like, what an interesting series that is. And I know we had one of our one of the people that uh, listens to the podcast asked us which which one's a better series between uh, OKC and Portland or the Nets and 76ers. But personally, for me, it has to be OKC and uh, the Portland Trailblazers because they just keep going late. Damian Lillard and Russell just keep talking to each other. I get Jared, Jared Dudley. He's been like the unsung hero of the playoffs for game one for underdogs, but Damian Lillard and Russell, they just keep talking back and forth. But Russell game three got the better of Damian Lillard. And I was definitely happy to see that. And I know that everybody on the podcast does not want to see Russell Westbrook uh, get to the second round of the playoffs to face. Um, I do. It's just Brian who doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's, I do not. it's definitely Brian. Yeah. I want to talk about Dame time. It's Dame time guys. Dame time. Yeah, I I know, but it's 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 not Dame time this time. It, right now it's Russell Westbrook time. <laughs> Today, all I care about is watching the Warriors not win. So, in order for that to happen, I think OKC presents a bigger challenge in Portland. So, I want OKC to get through. I don't I don't know about that. If if Paul George and Russell keep playing the way they've been playing this whole series overall, then they're not going to stand a chance. You're right. That's what I'm saying. They got to step it up, but. At their, Dane have been killing since the beginning of this series. They yeah, have. but they're a, they're a small backcourt. They won't stand a chance against the aggressive defense of the Warriors. Uh, I think they can. I mean, it's not like the Golden State's backcourt's that great defensively. Steph Curry's not Clay, a great defender. Clay Thompson is an all-world defender, buddy. It's all right. I'm I'm not worried about that if C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard, still able to do the thing. I mean, it's. I mean, it's not like Russell Westbrook's not a um, a poor defender either. Oh, that's true. I'm yeah, like, that's fine. But you know, and Damian Lillard's had his number for the most part of the series. Thus far, it's still it's, it's still only two one, and OKC still got another home game coming up. So, you know, if they win that, it goes two two, and then it's all, it's back to zero again. If Paul George keeps shooting the way he's shooting, shooting. Or fifteen from three, like you did game one. And oh lord! He didn't get a win this series, and definitely he could win against Golden State. Was anybody surprised that Golden State took game three? No. Yeah, that was I, I'll tell you what, shot. though, when I was watching game two, I was watching that game, and then you know the Clippers are down like thirty points. And I'm like, this this game's over. You know, we we always talked about it before, like you know the Clippers are probably gonna have at least get the broom out. Games. No, we did not say that. We all said get the broom. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm not surprised that they would lose about twenty. Oh or 30. yeah. Because I'm saying, because we talked about before how that we can see them losing one or two games by at least twenty points at to least. the Clippers, and it, that's what was happening. And I was watching this game, and then like I keep looking back, and they keep cutting that deficit down more and more, and eventually they actually like they, they take the lead in the game, and they and they win the game. I was, I was. I get, I, I'm giving the Clippers a lot of credit because I thought that broom was coming out. It was coming out fast for them. And they actually won a game two against the, the Warriors. Yeah. But granted, Kevin Durant was you know out of the game, but still, they still have, you know. Yeah, even if Kevin Durant didn't play at all, we all would still pick the Warriors over the Clippers. Exactly. So, I mean, I, it was pretty impressive seeing fight the way they did, but the universe is back to normal after them getting the butt whooped. Yes. Yeah, but it's not only surprising that they came back from 30, I think it was 31 or 32 30, points 31, down. 31. Yeah. Not only did they come back from 31 down, 
they did it in Golden State, which was the biggest surprise to me. Like, it's not like they were on home court and they had the fans rocking behind them to kind of help build up their energy. They did it in Golden State. Yep. So that was that's what kind of sh- like shook me. I was like, whoa, that's that caught my attention. And but really, again, I think that I think that Kevin Durant played that whole Demarcus Cousins uh, tore his what quad. Uh, yeah, yeah, he tore his quad, but I think game one was the one Kevin Durant was the one. He, him and Patrick Beverly got ejected game one. But game two, I believe that Kevin Durant played that whole game. I went to sleep. I, I definitely went to sleep. I ain't going to lie to you. I went to sleep because I knew that the Clippers were going to lose. But I, I think that KD played that whole game. They just lost KD that game. They KD just lost. played the whole, the whole um, third game. The first two games he got... He got uh, ejected. He fouled out the second game. Did, or who fouled out the second, second game? game? Yeah. He fouled out. He fouled out at the, the end game. of the yeah. game. The last game, he still finished with. He dominated. Hit thirty-eight points. And was, Patrick Beverly had nothing to say after that game. I that, still give the Clippers a lot of credit for what they did. They, oh like, yeah. Regardless, they still to lose the series, but yeah, that's so impressive what they what they did that night. You know. Something definitely uh-huh. shocking for me is the fact that. Well, the Celtics are up 3-0. That's kind of shocking to me because the Pacers have been playing so well without Victor Oladipo and the fact that they were pretty much the four seed before they played the Celtics before the NBA playoffs started, and they were the four seed, and the Celtics pretty much just flipped it. Uh, the fact that they're up 3 nothing and they're making it look easy. That's, what's shock- that's shocking to me because the Pacers were playing all scrappy all year since Victor Oladipo has been out the, uh, out, uh, uh, the rotation. They've been playing scrappy the whole time, and they've been winning games that you would not think that they would win. So the fact that they're down 3-0, they, they, uh, like I know the last game, I think they lost by 5. I think it was 99-94 yesterday. But I'm, I just can't believe that they are like just dropping games like this. And then I'm, we, I'm we're, not surprised. I know. I before the series started, I said that, yeah, you know, Boston, I mean, yeah, throughout the year, they haven't played up to their potential where they should have with all this talent, but I said, there's, there's just no way that they lose this series, and I feel like, I think I said, I think I said the Celtics in five, but they might be able to do it in four, I mean, that, yeah, the Patriots are scrapping team at Feinhardt, but still, I mean, their best players, Miles Turner, maybe Bojan Bogdanovic, and I mean, they, they're, good, they're good players, but the they can't keep up with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they're they're role players. Well, not Miles Mal- Turner's more than a role player, but Bogdanovich yeah, is kind of a yeah. role player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not as surprising for me. The one I'm actually pretty surprised about because I thought it was going to be a pretty good series was the Rockets and Jazz. Oh my thought, god! Oh my god! I thought the Jazz the Jazz have been a good team. They're a 50 win team. They were playing well against the yeah. I thought they would go against a Rocket team and they were able to compete well. But the first two games have just been Terrible. I mean, the Rockets have just done whatever they wanted to do. James Harden is, you know, driving down the lane and getting the easy buckets, shooting some nice threes. He even disrespected the whole team. He broke someone's ankles, shimmied, and then drilled a three Hey, call his name out. It was Ricky Rubio. Call him out. Uh, I don't want to disrespect him that bad. But <laughs> it was Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio. <laughs> he, I mean, it was, it, it, it's been bad. Like, I mean, Donovan Mitchell has been really the only player that hasn't done anything. Like, other than that, it's like Joe Ingles hasn't done anything. Who's normally at least able, yeah, you know, put up double digit points. Tell me, and he's the three point shooter, and he's not seeing anything from no fighting. Nothing. It's pretty surprising, really. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by it because the Rockets, again, like we've talked about many times, they were they should have been in the finals last year, so they are hungry to get back to where they feel like they need to be. So I'm not surprised that they're pretty much complete dominance of Utah. And um, I mean, really, the only thing that's surprising to me, kind of, is uh, the the OKC Portland series. I didn't think Portland would be as good as they are right now, but. Other than that, I feel like across the board, it's pretty much going as we predicted. Yeah, we didn't think the Clippers would win a game. And sure, it was surprising seeing the Magic take game one against Toronto. But, you know, Toronto seems like they got back to where they need to be, doing what they need to do. So I'm just, I kind of just want to get through the first round so that we can actually get to games that are going to be, or series that will be fun to watch in the second round. Uh, oh, wait, you, don't, you, you, don't like, you don't like watching the Bucks and the uh, Pistons have a really great series? Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah. Just like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, because like you know, second round's gonna have some good stuff. Like we'll have Boston and Milwaukee. Boston, like you said, Brian. Boston's finally starting to play to their potential right now, and they'll be going against Milwaukee, who had the best record in the NBA in the second round. So it'll be interesting to see how Boston, if their potential can actually match the Bucks, and then you know the Rockets go. Rockets going back up against Golden State, what everybody's been waiting to see. So there's there's going to be good basketball being played in the second round. The 76ers and Raptors, you know, Dennis, you've been talking. You, you believe in the 76ers team a lot more than I think some of us do. So it's going to be fun basketball to watch in the second round. It's just this first round has been kind of boring to watch, honestly. But the second round should have some good, good stuff. I think the only thing they – the surprise of the first round right now, the only real surprise of the first round is the Spurs and the Nuggets. I don't know what's going on between them, but the Spurs are like legitly trying to hang on, even just being a seven seed. Um, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Derek, Derek White on, yeah. on San Antonio just had a, a career game. I know I know the uh, Spurs went down tonight 117 and 103, and the series is tied 2-2 two to two right now. But the fact that the series is tied two to two, game five, we're going so the game is automatically going to get uh, uh, game six automatically. Game five, next game in two days, which will be what Monday night, will be in uh, Denver. Uh, but the fact that Denver has not been showing dominance is what is what like what the real problem is right now. And I think the if if the Nuggets can get out of the series, who do they play? I think they play the. They play, OKC, yeah, they play, yeah. yeah. And I really think whoever whoever gets out of the Portland OKC series is going to beat the Nuggets if if the Nuggets pr- proceed to the next round. Uh, of course, we That's don't. That's how it looks. That's definitely how it looks because Denver is not playing they're the way we the way we've seen Denver play. And I'm not sure. Maybe they're just worn down. You know, maybe they're tired. Maybe they. They. I feel like maybe they put. Too much, and I don't want to say too much effort, but I feel like they maybe exhausted too much energy trying to get that number one seed from Golden State. Whereas if maybe they kind of coasted a little bit at the end, maybe they have more energy saved up. So I don't know. I mean, you want to try to get the number one seed, so I can't fault them for trying. But and then the Spurs have Greg Popovich, who's you know a world class coach. So you mm-hmm. gotta get you know the Spurs get a bump for that because when you got one of the best coaches on the sidelines, you can't ever count them out. And we we talked about this in the previous podcast that the Spurs are not going to go down lightly. Like they're going to fight 
We're gonna get at least a game or two in the in the series. Yeah, we all we all gave them two games. At least, yeah. It's like it's. I I I'm not. I I guess I'm not surprised that it's like this. But I figured it'd be like I thought Denver would play a little bit better, a little bit more with the with the edge. I think I I mean I feel like overall they have more talent and the Spurs. They both like we said we got a coach like Popovich and he got he they still got some players and you can't count on Lamarcus Aldridge and Demar Derozan. I mean, you just, you just can't. I mean, so they they're able to do, you know, just enough to get by with these games. So it's it's that's probably been the best series so far, and then oh. in the first round. Of oh yeah, I definitely think. agree. Most competitive, yeah. Yeah, most competitive, yeah. yeah. Um, so next segment. Now we're gonna shift right on over into a new segment. We have trivia, and and, and guys, what are we calling? What are we calling the trivia? P-A-T. P-A-T. I cannot remember. Points after trivia. <laughs> That's points right. after trivia. It's so new, I couldn't remember what it was called. But, <laughs> but yeah, points after trivia. So uh, this week, I will be reading off the questions first. I found 10 questions, and the winner of today's trivia will go on to next week to go against me, and we'll continue, uh, continually do it like that. Um so pretty much like basketball, winner stays on. That's pretty much what we're doing yep. here. So let me go and get the first question out. So the first question. Right into it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Who is the fifth? Who is the fifth person on the NBA all-time scoring list? Is it Shaq, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or LeBron James? Oh, so we do a multiple choice. Huh? Oh, we're doing mul- just, we're, oh, we're doing mul- we're doing we're doing multiple choice. I would choice. Just be pulling a name out of my butt if we did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's multiple choice. I, I already knew it was okay. going to be hard for you, so I was like, let's do multiple choice. All right, so you said, all right, can you go through the? All right, the, so the who so who is the fifth person on the NBA all time scoring list? Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, or LeBron James? Mm. I'm saying Shaq. Shaq Diesel. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go with Shaq too. It is Michael Jordan. Oh. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Uh, Dirk Nowinski is six, but LeBron, LeBron currently is number three, and Kobe is four. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, yeah, I was shocked too. I I thought, I thought that'd be a good one to start us off with. (laughs) I I wasn't too sure about that one. You did good with that one, Dennis. All right, so what team has the most wins of all time in the NBA with 3,378 wins? The New York Knicks, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, or the Atlanta Hawks? Lakers. Uh, Lakers. Man, y'all are terrible. It is the, <laughs> it is the Boston Celtics. Man, I, I thought I had this one. <laughs> I, I figured it was. It, I knew it had to be one to two, but I was like, I felt like it was the Lakers. I had, I had a feeling. I, just, I had that feeling. All right, so we're, we're still, we're still sitting at zeros. I gotta shake it off. All right, it's, it's the first time we're doing a segment. You might, might be a yeah. little nervous. Might be a little nervous. Okay, you might have a concussion. It's all right. <laughs> so, third question: The NBA started off with these three teams. Which team is not on the list? The New York Knicks, 
the Golden State Warriors, the Detroit Pistons, and the Boston Celtics. Oh, Warriors. Pistons. Jesse is right. It is the Detroit ah. Pistons. The Boston Celtics, the New York Knicks, the Boston Celtics, New York Knicks, and Golden State Warriors came into the league 1946-1947 seasons. The Detroit Pistons came in 1948. Suck it, Brian. This segment sucks. All right. Question number four. Who has the best win percentage out of these quarterbacks? Russell Wilson, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees? Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. It was Russell Wilson and who? Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger or Rapersberger, whatever you want to say. Aaron <laughs> Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees? I'm gonna go. I'll go Roethlisberger. Jesse is up two to zero. Russell Wilson, 67.4 win percentage. Which player, question number five, Brian, this is your time to redeem yourself. Question number five, who has the most sacks in NFL history? Reggie White, Julius Peppers, Bruce Smith, or Jason Taylor? Bruce Smith. Jesse? It's either Bruce Smith or Reggie White. And I know Bruce Smith has the record for most sacks in a season. Reggie White, I believe, is the all-time leader in sacks. Brian, you are correct. Bruce Smith, the only player in NFL history with 200 sacks. When you play like 20 years, I feel like you have to have that. You you have to, right? You got to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's currently right, right. It's, this segment's awesome again. <laughs> it's currently two to one, Jesse. Yeah, two to one, Jesse. Brian, can you save yourself? Question number six: Which quarterback in NFL history? Well, out of these four, not NFL history, out of these four, have the most fourth quarter comebacks? Cam Newton, Derek Carr, Michael Vick, and Troy Aikman. Who has the most fourth quarter comebacks? And the person who has the most has 16 comebacks to lead the group. All right, so name, name the list again. Cam Newton, Derek Carr, Troy Aikman, and Michael Vick. Derek Carr. Mm, I'm going to go Michael Vick. It is Derek Carr. Darn it. I think it was a Troy Aikman. That I know was, it was a Troy move because he's always ahead. He doesn't have to. Yeah, that, that's it's, exactly. And this and, 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 and the seventh question would have been to this would have this could have been like the potential tiebreaker, but we're going to do it anyway. Who has the most Grand Slam appearances in the in the women's in the women's tennis association? It could have it was a Venus Williams, Margaret Court, Billie Jean, and Serena Williams. I'm going Margaret. I'm going Serena. It is Venus Williams with twenty three. Uh, and with it that, was one of the Williams sisters. It, it got it. Got to be one of the Williams sisters. But Jesse, you are currently up one to zero on this segment, and Brian so will figure. And Brian will figure out the next questions for Tuesday night's podcast. Oh yeah. Good job. Uh, Good job, Brian. And just so everyone knows who's listening, Tuesday's podcast 
is a special draft, you know, segment because the draft's on Thursday, so we're going to be filled with draft stuff for everybody. Oh yeah, most most definitely filled with draft stuff. So that will so we will go into so talking about, about the so talking about the draft, we can uh, go into um, John Gruden and Mike Mayock. What are they thinking? I'm I'm pretty sure they're both thinking right now like they are pretty much gurus in not player development, but but I guess picking out talent. And I'm trying to figure out why they sent all of their scouts home. Well, from some stuff that I was hearing on NFL Network, apparently this isn't as big of a deal as the kind of the people are making it out to be because apparently so what i've heard is a lot of times when when teams get new gms like the raiders did with mike mayock it's a very common thing that the gms will bring in a completely new scouting team once the first draft is over for whatever reason i don't know what the reason is for this i guess the gm wants their own scouts but so that's apparently a very common thing. And then also, apparently, it's very common. I mean, it's not very common, I'm sorry. Also, apparently, a lot of these scouts that they sent home knew that this was probably going to happen as far as like them not being scouts for the Raiders anymore. So from what I've heard, some of these scouts are already have jobs lined up with other NFL teams. So the Raiders, I think, heard about it, caught wind of it. And so because of that, they're pretty much like, well, you know, screw you guys. We don't need you anyway. That makes yeah. I I, I kind of. I mean, it kind of makes sense what I'm what I'm thinking of. Like what what Jesse kind of said. Just it's more the fact that I feel like they just don't. Well, I guess mine for things. Like it's more they don't trust their opinions much because they. It's not necessarily Mike Mayock's guys. It's not the guys he really wants to build around. Who he really you know feels that you know they know what they're talking about, what they're looking at. So it's. It's, you know, they decided, well, they're just going to do it themselves. I mean, and then, I mean, they got three first round picks. That's like the main thing for them. So, I mean, I feel like they have, it's, they know what to look for for the most part when it comes to talent. So, when it comes to John Green and Mike Mayock, at least for that, when it gets to the later rounds, maybe they might you know, need a little bit more input. But that's like the main thing for them. So, I, maybe, and maybe John Green is testing Mike Mayock. Say, like, you know how he said, like, don't screw this up. I got your three first round picks. Facts. You gotta do it by himself. Yeah, by himself. You can see what how good you really are. That's facts. I mean, hey, Mike Mayock. I loved Mike Mayock on NFL Network. He was always fun to watch. He was a, mm-hmm. so well, Who knows? Maybe Mike Mayock is the best scout. He doesn't even need any other scouts. So yeah, I'm rooting for him. I, like he, I, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a Mike Mayock fan. I, I've always like what he said. Yeah, I've always liked his input and you know his analysis on players. Oh yeah, I love Mike Mayock, and I. I don't. I hate how Steve. I don't know if y'all ever saw it. Like Stephen A. Smith always kept coming at Mike Mayock, saying that you know he pretty much didn't deserve to have a GM job just because he was a a, 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 a what do you call it like a TV analyst personality. I mean, he's still doing what any other scout would do. I mean, I don't see what the difference is really. He, he still knows football. He plays football. He's still you know watching the same tape. And thinking the same things as other players, I mean, other scouts. I feel like it's not that big of a deal. I mean, if he, but I mean, he also go off of what he, what he said in the past, and we, you know, he's on these shows. If he's more correct on certain players, or you know, how wrong he is. I mean, if, if they like what they saw, you know, they think that he has a good eye for certain certain things, and why not give him a shot? You know, 
Yeah, I think yeah. I think that was a like, oh, definitely good. I think I, I was fine, bro. Um, I I just feel like it was definitely good for the Oakland Raiders. Like you're pretty much bringing in like new players. You're not like potentially like yeah, well not potentially, but you're bringing in a new uh, GM. I just feel like it's the right time to bring in a GM, and I don't like that like the fact that Stephen A. Smith was saying that because. I know he like he's a TV personality. I know he's like he's on TV, but like you said, Brian, he's doing everything else that any other scout would do. Uh, the, and I guess the people, not that I trust the most, but the people I see like doing the most work, like uh, Jesse, you know, Walter Football, like that that guy. He, my goodness, he puts in some work. That guy puts yeah. in some major work. And then like you look at Mike Mayock, and the fact that you get in the round five, round six. Uh, Mike Mayock's still not on TV, but if you look at any, like he's still talking, like his uh, any podcast he's on, or if he's talking on the NFL channel or anything, he still knows these players in round five and round six. Yep. I'm like, and nobody knows if these round five, round six, round seven guys are going to get drafted. So he has to be doing major homework, major homework. So the fact that Stephen A. Smith wants to say that he doesn't like pretty much like Mike Mayer doesn't deserve to be. A GM, like I'm, like why not? Like the G. The, the, Smith don't even know football anyway, so he, he said Tressway was one of the Redskins' quarterbacks last year. So I, I don't even care. He, he did say that, didn't he? He did say that. He said that. That's what I'm saying. He, he can't be dogging Mike Mayock about stuff about football. He don't even know football. Like I'm that. like, like I'm like Stephen A. Smith is like he like to me he's more of a basketball guy. Like to me he, he is. is. Definitely is. Yes. I mean, he does. He does football too. But I'm not saying he doesn't. Like, yeah, but like you said. He also has times when he, he, he looks like a fool on TV. Yeah, that's what he was saying. He was like, yeah, I know Mike Mayock knows more about football than I do. So he was like, but Mike Mayock doesn't. Pretty much he was saying Mike Mayock, because he knows football, doesn't deserve to be GM. He was like, if that's the case, they should make me the vice president of basketball operations for the New York Knicks. And we're, I was just like, dude, I don't, you know, you just sound salty. You just sound jealous. Old time, um, it just didn't make any sense. Like, I didn't personally hear the comment, and I'll probably will go look it up after we're done. But if he did say that, I'm like that. That's utterly ridiculous because Mike Mayock, he's been doing this for years. He's assessed talent for years. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and say like that he understands like everything the Raiders, the Raiders needs. Like, yes, this is, this is a different role that he's actually doing. He's not just being a scout now. He needs, he, he needs to actually assess talent for a particular team, a particular organization, bring people in around Derek Carr, uh, boost up the defense, get that, definitely get that offensive line together. But the fact that Stephen A. Smith said that kind of burns me up just ever so slightly. Oh, that's what Stephen A. Smith is paid to do: is to troll and to, and to get under people's skin. Like like so, Ger- like Gerald. Oh, just like Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> he is the king of trolls. The king of trolls. Nope, nobody can troll like that man. I mean, he, he's got Mike Dan's got lines plate the three first round picks. I mean, it, it can this can really I mean it can make or break his career. I mean, if he hits on all three of these picks. He could look like a genius. Yeah, John Green looked like a genius, you know. And the whole organi- the whole organization will look like geniuses. Anybody who's associated with that coaching staff will get jobs after they're done working there. <laughs> Pretty much how it will go. What's good about Mike Mayock is if he like if he ends up being really good at being a GM and ends up you know turning this Raiders team into you know a playoff contender, 
like this sets up opportunities for other people who are in Mike Mayock's position to possibly get hit, get front office jobs with NFL teams. So pretty much like Mike Mayock's paving the way for other people. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, just like, you know how like uh, John uh, John Lynch for the 49ers. I oh, mean, yeah. Because I, I never, before he got the GM spot for the 49ers, I never heard of a player, a person who was an ex-player became a, you know, an NFL yeah, analysis commentator on for Sunday, Sunday, Sunday games and stuff. Go from that to becoming, a, you know, a, a GM for a professional football team. I mean, that's... I was pretty impressed and surprised when I saw that. And if if he's able to do something with this team too, I mean that that can also pave a way for other you know other players yeah. and commentators like that to do the same thing. I'd be so happy if the Cowboys uh, hired Tony Romo to be a GM. Wouldn't that be, be something? That's what, he, that's what he needs to be. He be a, I think he needs to be a head coach. He'd be a great head coach. But I feel like the NBA has pretty much like been ahead of this. Like the NBA is always like, oh, we try to get the smartest people. Like. Uh, well, um, they try to get like the Tyron Lue. They bring, uh, the Lakers bring in Luke Walton. Um, I'm trying to think. It was one more per- Jason Kidd. I'm like, you're pretty much yep. trying to get these young people who are still fairly young, and you're trying to bring them in to be head coaches because you know that they have talent, like potentially have talent at coaching. Uh, they're so they got they got animated bonds and stuff. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I feel like that's exactly what the NFL now. It looks like that's what they're trying to do. Like we all, we always know that like former NFL players, like oh, you're uh, the special teams assistant, or you're a special teams coordinator, or you might work with solely the de- uh, defensive line or something like that. But the fact that like you're you're talking about GM, you're talking about yeah. head coach. That's that's a big difference. Or you said vice yeah. like the vice president or whatever. Like that's a huge difference. So. Uh, I feel like the NBA has definitely been ahead of this, and they've known this for a while to bring in people that they they quote unquote trust. Even though you know we know John Gruden and Mike Mayock said they don't know who to trust um, between like now and draft day, but you know like I, I think this could be like absolutely big for the NFL. And fo- okay. and following into this, we can go into the last segment, the three on three segment, and the three on three for this week. Uh, Jesse, you want to tell me what the three-on-three segment is for this week? Yeah, so, you know, draft coming up around the corner. Figured we have a little fun with it. This week's three-on-three is we're going to do, um, like, pretty much draft, like, draft trades. So, pretty much if a team, you know, traded up to get a player. And we're going to do the top three. So, like, if they traded up and that player turned out to be Pro Bowl player, you know, a player that really contributed to that team, then that deems a successful trade-up and we're also going to do the bottom three so like if a team trade up and that player just ended up being a total bomb you know didn't do anything ends up getting cut from the team within the first few years then that trade-up for that player would be considered a bust so you know each of us are going to give our top three who we think the trade-up was a was valid and then we're going to do our bottom three for where we think you know the, the team would have been better off just staying where they were instead of trading up to get that player facts so, who wants to start us off? I, I, I can start us off for this week, or anybody can start it off. I'll, I'll start. Okay. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing yeah. uh, start, best trade-ups. Start, we're no, we're with. Start, start with the worst. We're starting the worst? Okay. Right, start so, from the bottom that we hear. Go home. Me. Go home. All right, so, so for the worst trade-ups, in my opinion, that I've seen or, or looked into, uh, for number three for me is in 2008, 
the Jacksonville Jaguars traded up with Derek Harvey. I don't know if you guys remember Derek Harvey. He was he played he for was, Florida. I know that. Yeah, he was he was a defensive end, and he was highly sought after. You know, an athletic guy. They really you know saw a lot of potential with him. He kind of was like it's kind of like how um, Deion Jordan was coming out of Oregon. How like he didn't have a lot of great stats, but he had so much raw potential that they just had someone had to have him. So yeah. So what the Jaguars did was they they traded up to the eighth spot. From the, the Ravens had that pick. They traded up to eighth spot, and they gave the Ravens their first round pick, the second round pick from that year. Um, actually, two second round picks, and uh, a first round of the year, next year after that for Derek Harvey, who did absolutely nothing for them. And while the Ravens used those picks to draft people like Joe Flacco and um, uh, well, really it's just Joe Flacco, who was really the only one that came out. <laughs> oh, oh uh, Dwayne Dwayne Brown too. Oh, nice. Dwayne with the the Dwayne with the the U, right? Yeah, D U A N E. Yeah, Dwayne yeah. Brown. Yeah. So, so they so the Ravens, you know, did pretty well with that. You know, we all know how Joe Flacco helped them win a Super Bowl, and he had some good years. Well, now I'm not that big of a Joe Flacco fan, but he had some decent years. He yeah, helped them win a Super Bowl regardless. So, and the Jaguars kept being the Jaguars, for, you know, some odd years because of that. Um, number two for me. It hurts for me to say this. It's the RG3 trade of 2012. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> it was, look, 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 let's think about this. Like, okay, RG3 had an amazing rookie year. Probably one of the best, if not the best season I've ever watched as a Redskins fan. It was electrifying. It was, it, was, it was magical. It was so much fun to watch and play, watch the offense, do what they did, and we were able to go into the playoffs. And I still say if RG3 didn't hurt his knee that game against Seattle, we would have won that game. But that's not the point. The only that, other than that, RG three did absolutely nothing for us. He did nothing. <laughs> he he did. All he did was regress as a passer, and he became kind of an issue. He wanted to, you know, he told Shanahan that he wasn't going to run anymore. He wasn't going to do any of the other things. He just wanted to do his game, his style of play. He just wanted to become a passer. But the only problem with that was he was not a good passer. He was. Nope. He was not able to make accurate throws, the right reads. He wasn't able to, you know, to, you know put the ball in the, the right spot or throw someone open. He wasn't able to do anything. He, we didn't. It, we weren't able to win any games, and we gave up so much for just one good year. We gave up three first round picks. Three. Say it again, Brian. Brian. Three first round picks. <laughs> and that we also gave up a second round pick, and it was. It, we gave the Rams so much, you know, for them to try to build something, even though they didn't do anything with these picks. That's not the point, is that we still gave up so much for just one year of success, which and, and it hurt us in the long run because we had no first-round picks. So we, we weren't able to draft young, talented players. So we had all these old veteran players on the cheap and stuff, and we just had mediocre years, as always. And yep. it, just, it, it just hurt us. For a long time, and just it was not worth it. And then, you know, when you look back at it, it's just I just wish it never happened. Honestly, it's just uh, so much. Oh, we agree. My number one for worst trade up of all time is the San Diego. They were San Diego at the time. San Diego Chargers trading up to get Ryan Leaf. Amen. They traded two first round picks, 
a second round pick and two other players to draft a big, probably the biggest bust in all of, you know football. They traded the house. You know, yeah, they, they, yeah, everyone. You know, it was, it was, it was him, Peyton Manning, the whole way, and somehow they said, let's go with Ryan Leaf, and they thought it was a surefire thing. They gave up so much for him, and he did absolutely nothing. He, didn't, he wasn't. He was never good. He was never good. At least RG three had one good year. Ryan Leaf yeah. didn't even have a good year. He didn't do anything. He was just a bust. He was terrible. He had all field issues. He didn't even make it on the team for like more than three or four years, I think. And he didn't even really play for a team after that. He was just a nobody. I mean, that's it's just crazy how quickly he went from yeah, first overall pick potential star to bust. I mean, it's it was very very impressive that the Chargers did something like that. Oh, I agree. For, yeah, um, I'll go ahead and jump in. Okay. I, my list is pretty similar, honestly, so it's not too much different. Um, my number three, I thought about the Derek Harvey trade, um, but I decided to go with this one at three to be different. I'm going with the 1999 when the New Orleans Saints gave up eight total oh. picks. Oh my so, God! So Redskins, Ricky. Ricky, yeah, Ricky Williams, and it's not because Ricky. And the thing is, Ricky Williams was a good player. He had a but good the season. Thing is they gave up. They gave up the whole the entire draft. The entire draft. They gave up. Let me. I, I wrote all this down to be to the detail. The Saints gave up. All right, so they traded up to the number five overall pick, taking it from the Redskins to select Ricky Williams. In return, the Redskins received the number twelve overall pick in nineteen ninety nine. They received the number 71 overall pick, which was a third-round pick. They received the number 107th pick, which was a fourth-round pick. They got the 149, which was a fifth-round pick. They got the 179, which was a sixth-round pick. And they got number 218, which was a a seventh-round pick. And then they also received the number two overall pick the Redskins got in 2000, the very next season. And they also got the number 64 pick in the next season, which was a third-round pick. So the, the the Saints gave up eight picks for one player. And, yes, Ricky Williams was a really good player early on in his career. Even, But the thing is, he only spent three seasons with the Saints. So the Saints gave up eight picks, two first-rounders, two third-rounders, a second-rounder, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh to get one player. Hey, Jesse, and, hey Jesse quick question. Did the – the Redskins receiving all those picks. Did they go to the Super Bowl? Hey, we did not. Can you say? Can you say it one more time, a little loud for the people in the back? They did nothing with those picks. Okay. As, as they, did, they did. I'll give them credit with one thing. One thing they did do, and I, and I didn't realize this until I was looking up this information, is that they uh, they used the number twelve pick and they used I think the third round pick that they received to trade up to the number seven pick in that draft, and they drafted Champ Bailey, who we all know now is a Hall of Fame corner. But but he only spent, but Champ Bailey, again, only spent like four years with the Redskins before the Redskins then shipped him to Denver. But we got Clinton Portis, though. Yeah, you got got Clinton Portis. Portis, Portis. Portis, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my number three as far as uh, a busts go for trades. Uh, my number two is the exact same as Brian's RG3 trade. Yeah. Um, you know, Brian pretty much hit everything on the head at that point. Uh, I will say I know, that. I know all too well about it. <laughs> and the Rams, again, at the Rams, the same as the Redskins before, did nothing with their picks. Um, so, and then my number one is also the same thing, Ryan Leaf, uh, just because 
he is arguably one of the biggest busts all time. Him and Jamarcus Russell, I think, are debatable for the biggest bust. But the Chargers did trade up one spot. They traded up from third overall to two overall, and they gave up. They gave up uh, first. They gave up two first round picks and a second round pick to the Cardinals. And again, the Cardinals did nothing with those picks. So not only are these teams who trade up doing nothing with the players they get, the teams who receive all these picks in return are also doing nothing with them. So it's just like a bunch of awful teams doing awful things as always and for my my three i i went a little old school with mine so uh, i went with the bucks trading away steve young getting a second and a fourth round pick uh to the 49ers but yep. they thought they were they thought they were in good hands because they thought that vinny testaverdi oh my goodness hey, hey, hey vinny vinny was great calm down <laughs> they thought Vinny Testaverde was the answer, but you traded away a Hall of Fame quarterback who won championships for a second and a fourth round pick. Bad move. My number two, Colts trade John Elway for a first round pick and offensive lineman Chris uh, Chris Hinton and uh, Mark Herman to the, the Denver Broncos. Uh John Elway stated that he was not going to play for the Indianapolis Colts, and he he, yep. he refused to do such things. So they traded him to Denver, and look what happened. Two Super Bowls. Two yep. Super Bowls. And, of course, one of those Super Bowls had to come against my Falcons. And the biggest the biggest one to me, since I, I like bringing up Atlanta, uh, 1992, the Atlanta Falcons had to trade one of the greatest gunslingers in the game to the Green Bay Packers for a first-round pick. And, yes, it is Brett Favre. That one hurts to this day. But, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Ryan Leaf definitely could have been up there. He played uh, – uh, two. He only, only played, I believe, eighteen games. I think it was eighteen games or something yeah. like that. For he the, also got arrested, so yeah. And, and for his yeah. career, he threw eighteen intercept, uh, eighteen interceptions and eleven touchdowns. So uh, he's a great guy. <laughs> could you imagine though? In a, could you imagine in an alternate universe where the Falcons? Don't trade Brett Favre if Brett Favre is a Falcon for life, and the Packers never have Brett Favre. How crazy would that be? I, yeah. I couldn't imagine. Without, like, what would Aaron Rodgers be? Well, they also right. But when they when they traded the yeah, traded the Green Bay, they also had the other quarterback Green Bay that was a starter before Brett Favre. There, he was pretty good too. I forget his name, but they, they they you know I remember them saying how he was a really good quarterback. I forget his name, but he got hurt. And that's when Brett Favre came in against the Bengals and was able to win that game. He was a starter ever since. But I forget the other dude's name, but apparently he was a pretty good quarterback too. Or, or, if, we, or if we talk about how, if uh, what was his name? Uh, was that Drew Bledsoe, who, who, if he never got hurt? Yep. Yeah. Goodness gracious. There's a Tom Brady. There would never I mean, be a Tom Brady. Can we also say, I mean, it, you also go, if, if Steve Young didn't get traded, could he really – would he have been really that good with Tampa Bay with on a bad team and compared to sitting behind Joe Montana for some no. odd years and having Bill Walsh? I don't think so. Jerry Rice. I don't think so. I don't think I just, so at I just, all. I mean, it, I, I mean it, is a, it is a big big trade. Though. I mean, he is a Hall of Famer, one of the best of all time. Well, I agree. Game, so I like that. I completely agree. All right, so Brian, go ahead and kick us off for the top three draft trades of all time. Okay. I will do that. All right, so my number three 
is I'm sure Dennis will appreciate this one. Amen. My number three best trip of all time is Julio Jones. Amen. I love me some Julio. I've always loved Julio Jones. And, like, don't get me wrong, they did spend, a, you know, a pretty penny to move up to get to him. Sure did. They gave up, they gave up the first round pick, mm. a second that year, a fourth, and then a first and fourth the next year. So, that's, I mean, that's that's a lot, but the, the production this man has had ever since he's come here, he's had one year where he was hurt. But even when he got hurt, he was, before he got hurt, he was killing it. I mean, I would know. I had him on my fantasy team that year before hey, he broke his foot. And I, and I cried for a couple nights. But it, it's okay. Other than that, he, he's had, you know, he had a, a season three, four years ago. We had almost 1,900 receiving yards. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 1,900. I mean, like this past year, he had almost 1,700. He's, he's had uh, you know, 1,400 yards twice, 1,500 yards, almost 1,600, really. I mean, he's always done to produce. His touchdowns aren't necessarily there, but he, he knows he gets all the catches. He makes tough catches. If it wasn't for him, Atlanta would not have been in that Super Bowl. Amen. In the first place. And they should have won him when he had that crazy, you know, athletic, you know, catch on the sideline. Whew. That was just amazing. The tours and I I'll never forget that was a beautiful catch. Preachers in the choir. Yeah, he he was just he was just doing he does everything for them. And he's he's been the Atlanta Falcons. I guess Matt Ryan's a great quarterback and he's been very productive for them too, but Julio Jones Matt Ryan, I don't think Matt Ryan would be Matt Ryan without Julio Jones. And what he's, what he's able to do, what he's been doing, what he's probably still going to be able to do for a while, it's just amazing to me. My second uh, best trade-up, I don't know if you guys will see it in the same way now, but I'd pick Troy Palomaro. They, the, uh, the Steelers trade-up, they gave up the first-round pick and the third and sixth. This isn't a whole bunch of trade for one of the best strong safeties in history, I think. The man constantly was making plays. Constantly. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen him this time the snap count so perfectly and jumped the jumped in line and be able to make a play so quickly. It's it's just amazing. And he's and he was a he had good ball hawking plays. I mean like he he'd be able to you know pick the ball up at any place. He had some amazing catches too. And he he's had one hand interceptions. I won't forget him diving with this interception with one hand in the snow in the playoffs. And I think he also returned it for a touchdown in that play, too. But either way, the man has always been productive. He's been part of that whole series team. He helped them get the three Super Bowls and win two of them. I mean, he he has done so much for them and has been so consistent. And he has that signature hair, which, you know, we all know about the polymolecules. Head and shoulders. Uh, yeah, head and shoulders, the polymolecules. I mean, he, he basically... Is the you know, Pittsburgh Steelers from the you know early to you know, early two thousands? I think he he was the staple. Of that I mean, yes, they have Heinz, Heinz Ward and Roethlisberger too, but he, yeah, you know, Paul, Paul is this. I mean, he he was consistent and always making plays. It was the one Steeler that I had a huge amount of respect for because I hated the Steelers. I I still hate Ben Roethlisberger. I hated James Harrison, and you know Heinz Ward. You know he was you know borderline dirty player. I uh, always, always had respect and Tripolo, like, he was just, the things he did was just ridiculous. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, his instincts were just off the charts. And it's, it's funny big... because you look at the guy and he's so soft-spoken, he doesn't really even look like an athlete. Like, he just looks like a regular dude with this big head of hair. But, like, when he steps on the field and he puts that helmet on, 
Like, he was the best. You know, him and Ed Reed, it was arguable which who was the best safety in the league. They probably alternated every other year who was the best. But it was ridiculous, the stuff that he was doing, man. Absolutely. I love these from Troy Palomalu. And then my number one best trade-up of all time, and if I have any question for me, this is the easy one for me, it's the 49ers trading up to get Jerry Rice. Hey, man. The four, they traded with the Patriots. The sneak past, I think it was, I forget who it, it was. I want to say it was the Cowboys for some reason. Probably. But either way, I know that Bill Walsh was would love Jerry Rice. Even though he didn't like have this, you know, the 40 time, like what we all like to look at when it comes to these receivers. He ran a 4-7-40. But the man just knew how to run routes. He knew how to get over. He knew how to use his body. This is, you know, just make plays. And he was a BC. They traded their first round pick and a second and third round pick. And it was against that. They didn't, they didn't, went, they went and got him ahead of Dallas because I think the Patriots are two spots ahead of the uh, Cowboys. And they traded with the Patriots to go get him. And that was probably the best thing that's ever happened. Without Jerry Rice, there's no Super Bowls. There's no, no you know, not. <laughs> they, they, those, those Super Bowls are not there. The main, all he did was just produce. I mean, he his his first you know his first real year of play he he, well, he played ever since he started but when he he started 15 games his second year he averaged over 18 yards a catch that's you know his second year had 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns and he had 22 touchdowns after that I mean all he did was produce every year he was best route runner ever best route runner best hands just knew how to use his body. I mean, he, he has all the records. He has the rings. He has the Pro Bowls, all pros. I mean, you, you can't say enough about him. And he always backed up whatever he said. He, he wasn't even the biggest you know, trash talk on the field. But it, it, he would say something, he'd back it up every single time. And all those Super Bowls, he would dominate on all those Super Bowls too. I mean, even when he went to teams like Oakland, he was still a productive player for them too. I mean, it, it's it was – he's just, you know – the best player in NFL history, in my mind. He's, you can't argue that with me. If anyone tells me otherwise, I'm just going to tell me wrong. I don't care what your opinion is, you're wrong. Jerry Rice is NFL. Facts. All right, Jesse, so what's your three? Um, Brian, I'm a little opposite Brian for the most part. Uh, I kind of went old school with all of mine. Brian went new school with, you know, Julio and Palomalu. And the reason I went old school is because there's one common thing that all three of my players have, and that they're all current Hall of Famers. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I know for a fact, Bob Molly will be a Hall of Famer at some point. And Julio Jones is definitely in the conversation. Um, I'm not sure who was a first ballot at this point, but he's definitely in the conversation for it. Watch your but, mouth. So, hey, just, just, just real watch, talk. Watch your but, mouth. So, my number three, uh, 1978, the Houston Oilers at the time traded up to the number one pick, and they selected Earl Campbell from oh, uh, Texas. And we all know Earl Campbell, those big tree trunk legs. Like, you just could not tackle this dude with one guy. You probably couldn't tackle him with two guys. It was going to take you at least three to four guys to bring this guy down. And, you know... So the Oilers gave up. They gave up the number seventeen overall pick that year, 
they gave up the number 44, which was a second rounder. They gave up the number 78, which was a third rounder in the ninth, in the, in the, the next year's draft of 1979. And they also gave up a fifth round pick in 1979. So they gave up four picks. Um, they traded with Tampa. Tampa had its first pick that year. And Tampa trading down to 17 did get Doug Williams. Um, so Tampa did get, you know, a pretty solid player with the, with one of their picks that they got. But Earl freaking Campbell, you know, one of the best, you know, uh, he's one of the best backs of all time. There's a lot of good backs to be said for, but Earl Campbell, he was, he was a hell of a guy. Yeah, he was a, <laughs> like, I can only imagine if I was able to play with like a Earl, like a prime Earl Campbell on that right now. You'd just be trucking everybody. Just truck yeah. stick everybody that even got in your way. I just, so, I just, I remember a play. Like he, he probably broke about maybe ten tackles, and they ripped his jersey. He did not go down. He just ran down the sideline and scored. That's how strong of a runner he was. I would not. I would not ever. Like I don't know if there's a player I would like want to face less, like in the middle of the field, than Earl Campbell. I think I'll take on anyone else other than Earl Campbell. He was beast mode before beast mode. I know. Facts. So. Um, so that was my number three, um, and I almost had him at number two, but the guy I have at number two, I gave an edge to because my guy number two has a Lombardi trophy, whereas Earl Campbell doesn't. My number two guy, 1977, so the draft right before Earl Campbell was taken, 1977, my Dallas Cowboys trade up to the number two overall pick to get Tony Dorsett. So Tony Dorsett, mm. another Another great running back to come out, you know, Tony Dorsett, when uh, he retired, he was the number two uh, running back in terms of all-time yards at the time of his retirement. So he was, at that time, he was one of the best to ever do it. I know we've had a lot of great running backs since him that surpassed him, but at the time of his retirement, he was one of the best to ever do it. Um, he has a Lombardi, tro- I believe he has two Lombardi trophies, him and Roger Staubach together. Uh, he broke off that 99-yard touchdown run against the Vikings. Um, so he just has a lot of historic, you know, a lot of historic moments for the Cowboys. The Cowboys gave up the number 14 overall pick, uh, the number 30 overall pick, which was second round pick, the number 41, which was the second round overall pick, and the number 54, which was the second overall pick. So the Cowboys gave up four picks, four premium picks. They gave up a first and three seconds. That's, that's a good, that's a pretty good price to pay, but I definitely think Toynders had paid off for that. Um, and then my number one pick is, uh, again, I hate agreeing with Brian, but I'm, yeah. I, it's, 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 it's the 49ers get Jerry Rice. And unfortunately for me, the 49ers did jump in front of the Cowboys, even though I wasn't even alive at the time of all this happening. Um, 49ers straight up the 16th pick to get Jerry Rice. The, the 49ers gave up the 28th overall pick. They gave up a second round pick and a third round pick. So they only gave up three picks to get the greatest receiver to ever do it. And it's not even close. Like, yeah, Randy Moss has the highlight reel catches. And, you know, Troy Owens had a very productive career. But it's not even close. It's Jerry Rice and then everybody else when it comes to the wide receiver group. Watch, watch your and mouth. It's true. I'm sorry, Dennis. Don't you, don't you talk about Terrell Owens like that. You better watch your mouth. Hey, Terrell Owens played a lot of great – well, not a lot, but he played three or four great years with the second, Cowboys. Second, so best, second, best, second best receiver of all time. Better watch your mouth. Yeah, he's a distant second behind Jerry Rice, though, my friend. I'm sorry. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a mile. It's a quarter of a mile. Uh, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's probably like two to three miles, my friend. Yeah. Terrell Owens had all the physical traits you want. He was big. He was fast. He was strong. He could go up and get it. 
but he didn't do all the little things that Jerry Rice did to make him great. And he so, has rings. Yeah, he has many rings. Brian, <laughs> Brian, better watch your mouth. No, no, no. I, agree with, I agree with Justin. <laughs> and me and Brian hate agreeing with each other, so when it happens, it's bittersweet. Yeah, that, I better, yeah, I better. You also know that it's true. I better yeah. be, I better be mindful of what I'm saying then. So those are my top three: uh, Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett, and Jerry Rice. All right, so my number three, I have, of course, we're not going to go back into it, but Jerry Rice, I have that as number three. That's three? Yeah, number three. Just oh, my God. Wait, wait, I'm, wait, wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. I wanna, Every week. I like trolling. I like trolling. Be quiet. Uh, I, got, I got the lift for you. I got no, the lift outside for you. Number two, uh, the Dallas Cowboys have to thank the Washington Redskins for this pick because the uh, Dallas Cowboys were able to trade up to the second round and grab this great guy who just got a contract extension, Demarcus Lawrence. Oh my goodness! Are you serious? <laughs> Are you, you, you put him over Jerry Rice or Dennis? No, Dennis, I'm just trolling. It's, it's not. It's not my. It's not my actual. Thir- it's not my actual third. But I just want to lead off. I just want uh, how I want to end mine. That's just how I want to end it. Okay, so I should just did it backwards. My number one is Jerry Rice, okay? So my number okay. one is Jerry totally Rice. Fine. Don't be saying this now because we're giving you some crap about it. Don't no, I'm no, seriously. I, I just want no, seriously. So number so number one would be Jerry Rice, but I just want to lead off into a big boom towards the ending. Uh oh, so number man. one, Jerry Rice. Number two, we're gonna do the Demarcus Lawrence because the Redskins the Red, I'm still floored you have Demarcus Lawrence. I, I want two. I wanted to put him up there just because. Just because, Brian. I mean, I love the dude, but he's not. Quiet. Everybody just is, just, is, yeah, yeah, just stop it. You argue with Jesse last week about Aaron Rodgers. It's making you look even more foolish with this season right now. <laughs> this, this, this is way worse. I'm not worse. arguing. That's the, th- that's the thing. I don't, I, I'm not arguing this. I want to argue this. And, and the person, the person I was gonna, the person I have in here, and well, the person I have in here bes- besides me trying to be a troll was Troy Palomalu. That was my. That was besides me trying to be a troll, but he was your number three. That was my number two. Besides putting Demarcus Lawrence in there, trying to me trying to troll you. That was my number two, Troy Polamalu, and then my number three was Julio Jones. Yeah. So look at. So look at you. Calm yourself. Boy, those were fighting words at that point when you said that. You, you said Jerry Rice was three, and then Demarcus Lawrence. Was I, I, I know, Brian. I was trying. I was trying. I was trying to be list, funny. The list is still outside of you. I don't care what you say. Brian, I don't care. You, you gotta go. I don't it, care. Oh goodness! Disrespect. You don't disrespect Jerry Rice like oh, that. Oh goodness! I'm so sorry, Jerry. Yeah, you need to apologize to Jerry again. <laughs> Jerry, I'm so sorry. You gotta kiss those rings. I'm yeah. not. I'm not All kissing. I, I'm not kissing nothing. Man. Well, he, does, he has four. Brian. Four guys. I'm not kissing. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And now that you know, it's time to go. Yeah, I'm not kissing nothing. Hey, everybody. We'll, <laughs> we'll see you on Tuesday for our special edition for the NFL draft. So definitely click uh, click in and uh, see us then. And we'll talk to you then. This is sports outside the box. <laughs> Thank you.